Today's episode of Your Stories is brought to you by Utter Nonsense. Ever wondered what it's like to see your friend orgasm or take a poop? Reveal these mysteries and more with a Chicago-born party game, Utter Nonsense, currently available at Target stores nationwide. Thanks, Utter Nonsense! Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your Stories, to me, has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there, no questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story, and their story is your story, and then it's our story, and then it's a podcast, so it's everybody's story, and then you've shared it, and gosh, that's great, huh? And even if you don't think you're a nerd, you probably are. It's easily the most Midwestern thing I've ever been a part of. Hi everyone, I'm Eric Garneau, and this is part two of the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories podcast all about character generation, featuring some of the wonderful talent from the One Shot podcast, plus fellow Nerdalog members and comedians. This episode, you'll hear from Shelby Mongan, Johnny O'Mara, Alex Manich, Bill Nielsen, Nate Bechtel, and Katie Johnston-Smith, plus you'll get music from me, Dwight Hassler, Jim Snedeker, and also Katie. Uh, if you like your stories, we've got a really special thing planned for our next live show on February 21st. Uh, that is our annual Fan Fiction February show, our fourth now, and this time, during the second half of the show, the Nerdalogs are going to dramatically read a He-Man and the Masters of the Universe script that I wrote when I was 14. Uh, this is true. Uh, for the first half of the show, we'll have six amazing speakers sharing their thoughts on fan fiction, so all in all, it should be a pretty rad night. I can't wait for you all to hear this terrible thing I wrote in my teenage years, oh man. Uh, while you're waiting for that show, why not check out other shows on the Chicago Podcast Co-op, like the aforementioned One Shot, or the Nerdalog's own Talking Games and MBSing. Uh, you can find all these great Chicago Podcast Co-op shows on iTunes, and the cool thing to do would be to rate and review them. That helps people like us a ton. Uh, you can also rate and review this show if you are so inspired. We'd really appreciate it. Alright, that is all of my plugs for today, so please enjoy the show. Take me back. 
time for me to tell you about young nasty man, arch rival and nemesis of Wonder Boy, with powers comparable to Wonder Boy. <laughs> what powers you ask? I don't, I don't know. How about the power of flight? Does that do anything for you? It's levitation, Holmes. How about the power to kill a yak from 200 yards away? With mind bullets. That's telekinesis, Kyle. How about the power to move you? History of Wonder Boy and your nasty man. Rig-a-goo-goo, rig-a-goo-goo, the secret to be told. A gold chest to be bold and blasting forth in three-bar harmony. Go! Wonder Boy and Nasty Man joined forces. They formed a band the likes said which had never been seen. And they called themselves Tenacious D. That's right, me! KG! That's me. What? No! Tenacious D! Come fly with me, Cage! song is a treat for me and I think for all of you. So Jim... Am I moving or staying no, you can here? Stay. Jim is a Metallica expert. He used to be in a, a really good Metallica cover band. Could I testify as an expert witness? You could. Do they have to pay you for that? Uh, no. Uh. <laughs> so this is going to be really cool. I'm, uh, I thought this song needed two guitars and then we were practicing it and Jim was like, oh, I, I can actually play pretty much both parts the whole time. But I'm I never said that. Well, you showed it. <laughs> but... <laughs> That's what an expert witness does. <laughs> but I'm still going to sit in on this, uh, this motherfucker. This right. is a... Uh...
Oh, yeah, I can play that fucking room part. Dwight Yoakam. <laughs> Dwight Yoakam. Yeah, give it up for Dwight Yoakam, right? <laughs> like he's, like, doing country music, or? This is Shelby Mongan. <laughs> So I apologize, I normally don't read off my phone, uh, but this was slightly short notice. I just had an epiphany today, and it felt really important to talk about. Um, so it's not, like, that serious, though. Don't worry. Um, so with the weird, specific niche interests that I have, when those sort of things come up in common news, it's a it's an uncomfortable feeling. It feels like someone is talking about me behind and I can sort of hear like my name being mentioned and I know it's probably not good. And that it happens on occasion, but it has happened for me very recently given the discussion around the new star Wars movie and the character of Ray being a Mary Sue. Two caveats at the beginning. One, this is not going to be a terribly in-depth discussion of star Wars. Uh, but regardless this is your spoiler hashtag. Um, if you haven't seen it, what are you doing with your lives? I know it's cold, but it's warm in the theater. <laughs> the other thing is that there. this is not going to be a discussion of why Ray is or isn't a Mary Sue. There's a lot of good writing because it's the internet. Look on the internet. There's plenty of it there. But instead, this is the defense of the Mary Sue as a concept. So... Um, <clears throat> For those of you who don't know me very well or haven't been going to Nerdalogs very long, um, I have a long history with fan fiction. Um, my number one accomplishment being the pioneer of the Grey's Anatomy fan fiction section on fanfiction.net. <laughs> I've been writing fan fiction for a long, like a comically long time. Uh, writing fan fiction formally as well as participating in online role-playing message boards. Um, the lowest point of which was doing one for the M. Night Shyamalan movie, The Village. <laughs> I won't apologize. Um, and so... In the, that time, the concept of Mary Sue was big. So for those of you who don't know the exact definition or have only heard the warped media version, Mary Sue refers to a character who is meant to be a port for the author. And it is a woman, almost always. And the idea is that she is so perfect and capable. And if she's flawed, it's in, like, the cute ways. Like, she's adorably flawed. Like, she's adorkable. And everyone loves her. And it's meant to be this massive concept of shaming, that this is a bad thing. This is bad writing. This is bad storytelling. We're not going to do it. And on Neopets in particular, which is where I spent a lot of time doing fan fiction writing, <laughs> not going to apologize, I there was an unspoken rule on the boards that every time that you started a new thread, the first post would have the rules of the thread. And so typically that would be like, Okay, claim your character, put your story notes, whatever you're going to do. But the first rule, every time, and I never understood why, but I just followed this, was no Mary Sues. First thing you said, right out the gate. We will not tolerate this shit here. No Mary Sues. And I just went along with it, and I didn't think about it. Uh, I just assumed it was bad. I joined along with the shaming of other people doing the same thing. Fun fact... If you read literally any piece of fan fiction I've ever written, there's a Mary Sue in every single one. <laughs> I constantly wrote, like, short, sort of chubby, brown-haired girls who were, like, klutzy but cute and everyone loved in the midst of all these stories. <laughs> I was a Mary Sue factory. 
surgery at that time. That's what I did. I constantly did that. And I don't think I was very self-aware at the time. I just kept writing those stories. And they actually ended up being fairly popular. People read them. People commented on them. Um, but I still sort of absorbed all of this bullshit about what Mary Sue's are and how wrong it is to have this character in there. And now that I look back um, and look past that sort of like confidence and self-loathing combination that came into the play, I'm just really angry that that was a thing that I was ever, anyone was ever worried about. You can critique those characters for being poorly written because they were. Don't get me wrong. They were not well written. You can critique them on that basis. Please do. But you can't critique them on the basis of being a Mary Sue. Because at that time, I was a very strange teenager. Like, preteen, teenager, two into teenager, eventually. But I was a weird kid. And these characters not only allowed me to fulfill the fantasy of being in the middle of these properties that I was obsessed with, but also gave me the chance to feel out in a really safe space what I wanted to be when I grew up, what I wanted to grow into, who I wanted to be. And my stories were popular because other girls felt the same way. And other boys probably too, but let's be honest, that was not the majority of the conversation there was mostly the rest of us girls fawning over the same characters from shows but we were all feeling out this weird in-between space of like well we're a uncomfortable in our bodies because bodies are weird and also who do i am as a person i want to be an adult but i'm not an adult what do i do with all these feelings and we wrote them into fan fiction that's what we did I'm proud of those characters in theory, not in writing, but in theory, (laughs) proud of those characters because they gave me a really safe space. And so now thinking about this idea of Rey as a Mary Sue, which, by the way, she's definitely not. Like, by definition, she isn't. Um, We can talk about it at intermission if you're interested. But even if she was, who gives a shit? Because you know what? A lot of boys have had, especially in the initial Star Wars run, Mary Sue's of dudes. Like, Han, Han, really? We're going to critique Leia? Are we going to critique Rey for being a Mary Sue? We're not going to talk about Han and who Han is and how perfect he is and handsome in his vests and his suaveness. Um, This is a thing that little girls could benefit from. I'm so sorry that you're upset that we have a idealized woman that someone can look up to. What a travesty in this world. So all of these stories, there's really, there really are lovely responses to these critiques of Ray as a character, and, and there can be valuable critiques of that movie, but the Mary Sue one falls really flat for me, because when you claim Ray's a Mary Sue, all I think is, sweet, please give me more of them. Thank you, guys. <laughs> All right, last last minute fill in. Shelby really rising the occasion. Thank you so much. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Like, I think okay, some is raising Mary Sue. So what? Like, whatever. Even if she is, which yeah, I, she's not. She's not. She's not. There's no way. But let's even if she was, who the fuck cares? She's great. All the new characters in that movie, great. But if you want to hear me go on for ten minutes about how I don't like what's recycled in that movie, I'll do that later. But I feel like a pariah for talking about it. So we'll wait till intermission. <laughs> anyway, so coming next to the stage, we have a bunch of wonderful guests from One Shot and Campaign here tonight. Uh, first, this gentleman took our stage, I believe, two years ago for the first and only time. He did an amazing Ira Glass impression. I don't know what's up tonight, but holy shit, that was so fucking good. This is Johnny O'Mara. Hey, guys. Um, I wrote this for, uh, for a man that I love very dearly in spite of all of his flaws. 
good afternoon, faculty, staff, parents, President Nikias, and most importantly, USC mid-January graduating class of 2016. What an honor it is to be here. Uh, for those of you too young to know who I am, and I'm sure there are many of you, my name is George Lucas. <laughs> I'm a writer, director, and philanthropist. I can imagine the first thing that comes to your young, innocent minds is, George Lucas, I've heard my dad talk about you. You directed some sci-fi movie about robots or something, right? And you are indeed correct. When you leave these hallowed halls, it's important to appreciate your early successes, of which I'm sure you'll have many. But it is equally important not to allow yourself to be defined by those successes either. Had I rested my laurels after the early success of my genre-defining science fiction film, THX 1138, <laughs> I might not have experienced the rewarding and personal growth that came from later hardships. When I was a student here at USC's film school, never did I think that a young boy from Modesto would grow up to write and direct one of the most successful and influential films of the 1970s. Like me, when you leave this institution, you'll have the world at your hands, but the road to success will be long and difficult. After countless attempts to raise the funds, after having my ideas rejected by four separate studios, I was finally able to release the movie that I am most proud of. A critical and commercial success, a coming-of-age story about a ragtag group of youngsters trying to find their place in the universe. Though this story is set far in the past, I believe many of the truths found in the film transcend time. I owe the success of this film to all that I've learned here at USC. Without that valuable knowledge and the important lessons I learned from my sci-fi directorial debut, there would be no American graffiti. <laughs> You might find yourself facing unbeatable odds. It will feel like the universe is conspiring against you. But you'll overcome these odds, just like a certain ragtag group of pilots from a long time ago. Underdogs facing a cruel empire that will stop at nothing to gain control. Yes, just like those brave souls in Red Tails, you too will look in the face of adversity and succeed. But that's enough fun. I'm sure you're all wondering about the regrets I've had. And let me tell you, I've had quite a few. Every decision you make might not be the right one. However, it's important to learn from these just as much as you learn from your successes. Some failures will be greater than others, but each one will teach you a valuable lesson. They're not, uh, things are not always what they seem. For instance, when I began my relationship with the Walt Disney Company, I thought that they would treat my original vision with the same love and care that I brought to the project. Once it was already too late, I realized Disney's only concern was making money. They didn't care about the story they were telling. They only cared how many people would pay to watch their silly space movie. I felt betrayed by every choice they made, from lack of care and attention paid to the look and feel of the aliens, the underwhelming music, and the way they ha handled the characterization of the supreme leader. But the blame rests solely with me for allowing Disney to have such a huge role in making Captain EO. <laughs> And it's a mistake I'll surely never make again. So now, go out into the world and make your own path. Your life is poetry. It rhymes. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. So happy to have you back. Guys, we're going to keep the one-shot guest rolling. This gentleman, in addition to being a frequent guest on that show, also hosts the Overshare podcast. This is Alex Manich. Yeah. 
Yeah, hey, thanks. Uh, so thanks for having me, and thanks, James, for letting me ride your coattails uh, on one shot. Now, I want to talk a little bit about re-rolling a character. Character generation got me thinking about this. I just started GMing a, a game at my first RPG, and I've been thinking about this. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I've, so I've been thinking about this. Does everybody know what re-rolling a character is? Maybe not. Uh, so when you play an RPG, you, you come up with a character, and maybe for unforeseen reasons, this character doesn't quite work out for you. Uh, and so you make a decision that you want to re-roll. You're going to be a different character. And at some point in my college career, I decided I wanted to re-roll my character. And my character at that point was uh, somebody named Alex Manich. Um, and uh, I apologize. I'm going to... Talk in third person a little bit, uh, so to d- deal with it. Um, so uh, if I could describe Alex Manich as a character at that point, uh, freshman, sophomore year, he was a bit like all of the characters I do on one shot, uh, just sort of an amalgamation of half-baked ideas that I come up with as James asks me questions. Uh, so I didn't really know what I was doing, who I was. Uh, I was very fat, uh, like 340 pounds at the time. Uh, and uh, kind of stuck in a rut of doing things that were within my comfort zone. Uh, my first idea for a character when I went into college was, I'm going to be a teacher. And then uh, I met children, and I decided, no, that's not for me. <laughs> uh, second thing I, I wanted to do is, like, oh, well, maybe I'll, I'll be a lawyer. My dad's a lawyer. Oh, no, I don't want to be a lawyer. Uh, so what I settled on was a uh, college student, you know? <laughs> I decided I'd be a college student. Uh, and so I did that. I did the things that college students do, which is uh, nothing. Uh, and I sort of hung out with the same friends, went to the same bar, played the same video game uh, for four years, uh, not really meeting new people. And uh, so... There came a moment where really re-rolling my character was forced upon me. Uh, I would say my willpower stat. Uh, this is from Star. I'm doing a Star Wars RPG. The willpower is one of the stats in that. My willpower is probably one, uh, which is the lowest. Uh, and no training and discipline. Um, and uh, there's no appetite stat, but it would have been really high. Uh, but I also had a vulnerability. Uh, and that was to marijuana. And I promise this will not be like a cool guy weed story. Uh, it's, it's absolutely not that. Uh, I was sitting with some of my friends, and we were playing the same video game. We always played Geometry Wars. Um, it's great for when you're high. Uh, and we were sitting there, and I, I went way too one too many tokes past the line and was sent off. It was like a... It was like weed had a critical hit on me and sent me into a tailspin. If I, if I could say, you know, like, it was lose one sanity per second for three hours. Uh, and so it was quick. Sanity ran out quick. And just to give you an idea of, of how insane I went in this moment, uh, I have a lot of anxiety, and uh, it just amplified it. Uh, so I was listening to iTunes. We had iTunes going, and this song by Mungo Jerry was playing in the summertime when the and it seemed to go on forever. And I later found out it did because my friend made a, a repeating loop of it for an hour. <laughs> this is my friend that didn't smoke weed and knew it would fuck with us. Uh, 
he was my best man at my wedding because he's brilliant. Uh, and but as as the the you know after it shifted past Mungo Jerry, all these songs started taking on these very you know epic significance. And everybody sitting in that room was an atheist, and, and I believed at that moment that uh, God had chosen this moment to speak directly to me, and the method of Him speaking to me was going to be the iTunes shuffle. <laughs> so every song, one after another, they rolled by, and I was thinking, yeah, this I'm fucking up my life. God exists. And then I started thinking, well, God is choosing this moment, and I think I'm high, but really, this is the one moment of clarity I have and the fog of daily life and the fog of sobriety that makes me stop thinking of God. But he must be a cruel God, because if he's... <laughs> If he's choosing this moment, he'll know that just the next day when I sober up, I'll convince myself that I was just high, and and uh, that's exactly what happened. Uh, and you know, I'm I'm spinning, I'm spinning and spinning and spinning. And uh, at this moment, I, I uh, there's a song that started playing, and I want to play just a, a clip for you of this crescendo of my madness. Uh, if you have it, if you can play it right now, um, it's Muse. Take a bow. And the, the bridge is perfect for someone going through this very thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's enough. I think for everybody. Yeah, it's uh, if you didn't hear, it's uh, you will burn, you will burn, you will burn in hell for your sins uh, for like two minutes. Uh <laughs> Catchy, catchy stuff. Uh, fortunately, that didn't take, but that gives you an idea of how insane I was going. Uh, it felt like I was like a, you know, like, like I was like, like the quarterback on the sideline with the notes of everything he did on the past play, and, and like they're looking at you. I know that's not a nerdy reference, uh, but <laughs> it was happening live. But one of the things that did stick with me was I, I started thinking about my mother and where she was at this time in her life at, at this age. My mom was a hippie. Uh, she gave birth uh, to my sister at Woodstock. Uh, yeah, uh, she was in uh, she was in California at Berkeley. She marched on Washington to protest the Vietnam War. She bragged to me that she once did uh, acid made by Ken Kesey, uh, who's the writer of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Um, so, so I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking about how my mom is the sort of person that constantly puts herself outside of her comfort zone to the point now where she's like, I'm not going to say how old she is, but uh she's there i don't know if she has like there's no limit to her comfort zone now and so i decided at that moment that that was what i was going to re-roll my character as that i was going to stop not doing anything and find ways to put myself out of my comfort zone every day and the very next day i signed up for the second city immersion program uh and did that that summer and i wouldn't be standing up here I guess this is weird. Uh, I guess I wouldn't be standing up here if it weren't for weed. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so this, I, you know, I'm finding that the character uh, that I have now or the character that I, I'd like to be now is somebody who puts themselves outside of their comfort zone uh, every single day. And this is one of the ways I guess I'm doing it. This is the first time I've ever told a story in front of an audience. Uh, and I think I'm probably going to spend the experience points on discipline. Thanks. <laughs> That was tremendous, man. Thank you so much for sharing.
first time. Oh. It's happening again. Thank you, Cameron. Yeah. Anyway, man, thank you so much. This is first time. Fucking killed it. We love having newcomers up here. A lot of uh, a lot of the people who are up here on stage are doing it for the first time. Not necessarily tonight, but we do have a lot of a lot of virgins up here. It's really sweet. Thank you for doing your stories and being brave enough to do that. That's great. Coming up next, yeah. All right. Cool. Coming up next to the stage, another uh, good friend, great uh, Magic the Gathering player. We are in a fantasy football style Magic League together. That is a true fact. This is Bill Nielsen. But. Bill and I are in different conferences, so we can skirmish. <laughs> For now, Eric. For now. For now. Uh, just uh, as a quick note here, I am just getting over a cold now, so hopefully, Eric, if I get into a coughing fit, you can edit it out in post? Yeah, I produce this. All right. <laughs> I would have wanted to talk about this anyway, but that this month's Your Stories is called Character Generation. I wanted to talk about my friend Tyler. Uh, Tyler and I have been friends for about 15 years, and on Thursday, I said goodbye to him as he went home to China pretty much forever. Uh, He's not dying, and he's not in any kind of trouble. Uh, He is going home to be close to his parents and probably start a family of his own. But for an awkward, neurotic guy like me, I was really grateful for someone who had no native concept of how an American should act. (laughs) (laughs) Tyler's background meant... Nothing he did seems normal to me either. From what I could gather, he comes from the Chinese approximation of royalty. His grandfather was a founding member of the Communist Party, while his father had a long military career. But that wasn't really important to me. What mattered to me was he was the only person I knew who lived on his own during high school. In fact, he had an apartment where most of us hung out, and no one died, and no one got in trouble with the police. We... You know, this is Nerdalog, so obviously we spent all the time playing Smash Brothers Melee and drinking Dr. Pepper. <laughs> Our most enduring bonds, though, came through Magic the Gathering. Our eventual mutual friend, Chris, had met Tyler in physics class, and Tyler had asked Chris if he knew anyone who played. At that point, I hadn't played in years and didn't really have any interest in starting again. Once I brought my cards out, though, I quickly got back into the swing of things, and the game became a bond we shared for years. And just uh, mom or dad, if you're listening, you can blame Tyler for the vapid wasteland that was my 20s, thanks to magic. (laughs) Spending time with Tyler, I would occasionally be reminded of the vast difference in our backgrounds. It often fell to me to explain more esoteric elements of American culture, such as the SATs. Even last month while eating barbecue, I had to explain the context of the O.J. Simpson trial. (laughs) And... Being a Buffalo, New York native, I also had to explain why I cheered for the not guilty verdict. Ultimately, I promise, this was a thing our whole class did. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Ultimately, our common language was the ways we helped each other out. Uh, During uh, what was known as the Thunder Snow in Buffalo in 2008, he let me stay on his couch for a week, so I had heat and electricity. Uh, I would help him with translating his documents into English or communicating with parents or relatives when they needed documents put into English. And I would try and help him get more acclimated with our country. And really, I might not even be in Chicago if it wasn't for him. He was the one who first helped me out when I got here getting set up. And no, I wouldn't either be dead or in trouble with the law if I wasn't here. But I really owe it to him for 
giving my life a certain direction. So, Tyler, I really want to make it out to China to see you, or I, I guess I should say at this point, Singwen. I, I hope I pronounced that correctly. And just uh, thank you. And the next time we meet, I hope it is in Beijing. Take care. Thank you, Bill. So I have to tell you, it's taking all of my composure not to say, because you said something about what Tyler made your, your 20s as some kind of wasteland of magic. But if you're playing magic, having wastelands is great. It's like a $120 card. Yeah! Yeah! Killed it! Yeah, that's a good card. Anyway, guys, we're going to keep the magic train rolling. Uh, this next gentleman, also part of our Magic League world's best, Nate Bechtel. Where's Nate? Nate Bechtel! There's Nate! Yeah! And Alex, I want you to rest assured, a lot of people have come on the stage because of marijuana. <laughs> um, so I'm actually going to be doing something a little different than what I normally do. I'm normally up here because of certain things and typically meander through some weird comedic bit I wrote just then. But I had a very weird Christmas a lot of just personal family shit decided to go one, two, three, and just happen all at once. So I've been in a very introspective mood lately. And it has made me actually think about character generation. Because whenever I would make a character in any sort of RPG game, I would always sort of try and make them build to last. And I would always do this by dumping all of the points possible into Constitution and Wisdom. No matter what character I played, all my sorcerers, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> nobody is going to knock me down, and nobody is taking my mind from me. I thought that was the best way to make a character. Because that's, that's something I always thought in real life. That's what heroes and people of character had. I mean, you look at any sort of hero that we really hold dear as a culture... We look at figures like Gandhi, like Martin Luther King, people who took a blow and kept going no matter what, that always went through. I thought that would be fantastic. I mean, that's what you want to see. We love seeing the underdog. We love seeing the people that persist and go, go, toe to toe. We love the rebellion versus the empire. We love the Trojans versus the empire. We just hate empires a lot. <laughs> And it's great to see that that hasn't stopped in the modern day. A lot of good things happened in 2015. A lot of terrible things were brought to light, and a lot of people showed that they cared. Except for those guys in Oregon. Fuck them. <laughs> Vanilla Isis is the best joke of the year. Let's address that. <laughs> and I've become fascinated with them. Because at the same time, they're people who obviously dumped all of their points into constitution and wisdom. <laughs> they're not going anywhere. And they're made up of a weird combination of sovereign citizens, which is a group of people who think they can use marine time laws to get out of parking tickets. <laughs> so winners right there, am I right? <laughs> Then the Bundys, who their racism needs no introduction at this point. But then the part that really struck me is veterans. A huge amount of veterans are joining these militia groups. They even saw 
that between 2009 to 2011, the amount of militia groups went from 600 to around 1,300. Thankfully, it's dropped back down to around 1,100. But there are so many people in this that at the same time, I've been trying to look through another lens because there are people who see themselves as that small underdog. There are people who were sent to a war we love to joke about being a lie and calling out for that. Those were the people sent to die there. And they come back to a VA that has a backlog of 25 years. The VA was actually just very proud to announce they had sorted through some of the backlog because they realized 300,000 people were already dead. And it's made me think a lot because you cannot deny the utter racism, the privilege that is apparent in a large group of mainly white men with guns going to take a building. But it's made me think a lot because a large amount of people have decided to characterize Trump as Adolf Hitler. I think that's close. That's near the point. What we should be looking at is rather than a guy who was brought into a process without any sort of votes, Hitler was brought in by an executive action, his approval ratings never got above 45. Trump is a dude who has to make a vote when he's making 33% in one political party. What we should be looking at is his base and their similarities to the Germans of after World War One, The xenophobia, the anger, the feeling that they lost something. And I can't help but feel the lesson of Germany was we let them be themselves. We let them fester in their own community and splinter off and just build up their own hate. And one of my favorite authors is Terry Pratchett, who held social justice very close to his heart. And one of his main points throughout all of his work was seeing your monsters as people. And so I'm trying to start off my new year trying to give a monster a hug. It's ugly and it's smelly, but it might make him put down the club. And as someone who believes in the morality of social justice, I really just want to see everybody go out and give a monster a hug. If they slime you afterwards, good, fine, fuck them, they had their chance. But shit, what's the worst that could happen? We're already angry enough. But uh, that's my time right now. Thank you for uh, listening for me through that. And give a hand to everybody else who's already been up here. It's been fantastic. play some Springsteen Brothers. Born in the USA, but I always want to play Springsteen, so that's okay. We have one more storyteller this half, and then we're going to take a quick break. And this storyteller is from the Nerdlogs. This is Katie Johnson-Smith. Yeah, but I'll stay. Okay. Do you want me gone? No, stay. Please. I'm going to sing a song after I talk about like some stuff first. Cool. 
Um, I know that someone somewhere is always going to judge me and talk about me behind my back. And this is why I've taken it upon myself to obnoxiously shout all of my flaws and mistakes into the faces (laughs) of my friends and acquaintances. For example... The other week, I masturbated myself into having a yeast infection. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and... (laughs) It was my first yeast infection! You're welcome. Um, uh, So... If I tell you the shit I've done before somebody else does, it's because I want to keep them from turning it into gossip. Um, and then I win. But, yeah. <laughs> they don't have a room full of people cheering at them about their yeast infection. <laughs> but life isn't so much about beating the rumor mill as it is about living authentically and turning mistakes into personal growth opportunities. It's Monistat 3, right, Claire? Monistat 3, guys. Um, love And also loving fearlessly and being genuinely kind most of the time. Life is messy. So is Monistat 3. <laughs> Keep living and fuck the haters! Um, I'm not going to sing a song about a yeast infection. But I am going to sing a Casey Musgrave song about, like, living your life, bitches. And Dwight yeah. and Eric are going to help me. That stuff Katie's saying about how she likes to just tell people all sorts of personal information, whether or not they want to hear it, totally true. <laughs>
Your Stories is a proud part of the Chicago Podcast Co-op. If you enjoy your stories, you might also like Alka Hollywood. Clint, Jared, and a guest talk about one movie each week, old or new, good or bad, and create a custom cocktail and drinking game around that movie. For more information, go to alkahollywood.com. This has been a Nerdalogs production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.